Well, actually, a fever is a good thing. It's your, it's your body fighting off invaders. So women do have a higher T-cell response and their body is being attacked by some pathogen. Their T-cell response is higher than men, thus having more ability to fight off diseases. This is the Brother Be Well podcast. We focus on the mental health needs of boys and men of color. We bring real talk and deliver life hacks to real trauma so we can be our best selves. This podcast series is brought to you by Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. Hey, I'm Michael P. Coleman, Content Director for Brother Be Well, and welcome you to the platform today. Today, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus. Everybody's talking about it, but we're going to specifically focus in on the impacts that the virus has on men. We're joined by one of my new best friends. Carter Todd is a registered nurse, and he's the president of the Capital City Black Nurses Association. What's up, Carter? How are you doing tonight? What's going on, Mike? Good to see you, as always. Great to see you, man. And I've got a new friend by way of Carter Todd, Jerry Bombao. He's also a nurse, and he's at home recuperating from COVID-19 right now. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Welcome to Brother Be Well. Thank you for having us. Before we even get started with this conversation, Jerry, uh, you're the second person now that I've directly spoken to who has this virus. There are all these myths going around about who can catch it, who can't. We'll get to that in a minute. But I just want to check in with you. How are you feeling? I want to hear a little bit about how you contracted the virus and what the path to recovery looks like for you. When, when can you look forward to a full recovery from this thing? You know, right now I feel just tired. Um, I got the virus confirmed a little after um, Christmas and um, uh, just feeling tired. Um, I mean, I've social distancing from my family. So, I mean, I can assume that I got it from work, um, but, you know, I do have, you know, spent some time um, with my mom watching my kids and, you know, little interactions with them. Um, but it's probably more work related. Um, I feel as though <laughs> energy wise, you know, they say it could take about a month to get back to normal uh, with this fatigue. Uh, luckily, that's probably one of my only symptoms that's lingering on. Uh, I can breathe. That's what I tell everybody. I can breathe. Um, that's what, that's the one thing I, I hold on to. I can breathe. I, I wow. am tired, but I can breathe. Wow. Well, I'm glad you, you're, you're breathing. Keep breathing, brother. And if I can do anything to help as you recover, just, just let me know. Um, as we as we all know, all three of us know, there's a variety of, of factors that are associated with this thing, biological, psychological, behavioral, social factors, which put men at disproportionate risk to death from COVID-19. Studies have shown that while men are no more likely to contract the virus than women, we're three times as likely to develop COVID-19. It blew my mind when I read that. And we're also dying at rates that are far higher than women. And, and Jerry, I realize I maybe should have held those statistics as talking to you. You're, you're going to be one of the ones that makes it. But a lot of brothers don't make it out of that. Carter, I'm wondering about, are you seeing that at the hospital you work at? Are you seeing more men suffering more seriously to this virus? Jerry, same question to, to the two of you. What are you seeing with your patient populations with regard to this? You know, fortunate for me, I'm in the pediatric ICU, so I don't see a, a extremely large amount of the, the COVID-19 population. Um, when I think about folks out in the community, though, like you, Mike, the people that I actually do know who have COVID, you know, when, when, when I, you asked that question, I started kind of thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, you know what? It is mostly men that I know. Yeah. I think 
I think it's maybe one woman that I know from a personal standpoint, and everyone else is a man. So that does wow. that does line up. Wow, wow. What about you, Jerry? What are you saying there? You know, for me, it's it's a little mixture of both. Um, you know, we're not one of the uh, COVID units, but you know, we'll we'll see patients that come up positive, and uh, I would probably say it might even be actually the opposite. I actually seen it, probably seen a little bit more of the maybe slightly on the females that might. Wow. Wow. So, wow. Uh, that's from my experience, but you know, I not even keeping track of it. I mean, it could yeah. be, you know, and I'm not even there every day. So it could be that it really is more than that. I bet. I bet. I, you know, I wish that, uh, we had an earlier conversation also on the brother beware platform about the mental health, uh, impact of, of COVID for first line responders. So I feel like thanking the two of you for the work that you do every day. It's, it's hard, hard work. I'm wondering back to this gender question, you know, women, you know, for, for, generations they've been referred to as the weaker sex from what i'm reading that may not be the case and that that y chromosome that we've got might not be doing us a whole lot of good with regard to uh, inoculating us from disease can you talk about that a little bit oh yeah let me i want to speak on that i will say um definitely not the weaker sex um you know as soon after i got uh, confirmed my wife started having symptoms of it and even though she was not confirmed she held down the fort while I was in isolation. She was still, you know, being masked up, taking care of me, taking care of the kids, taking care of herself, being vigilant on making sure that I'm taking care of myself in the room. Uh, so I was like, weaker sex? No, no. I mean, wow. I, I don't know where I would be without her um, by my side um, with this, you know? Wow. And then kind of wow. find out a week later, she comes out confirmed as well. So to me, I'm like, you know, I'm here struggling, pounding my head because it was hurting too much. And she's over here just like, what do you need? Do you need water? Do you need tea? Do you need this? And um, putting herself, um, putting me in front of her. Um, so like wow. I said, that's, that's my rock. Wow. Carter, what about your rock? You seen the same thing? Um, I, you know, I seen my wife give birth. So there's nothing stronger on this planet than that. Um, but when you get down to like the biological standpoint, you know, the XY chromosome, women have two X's. We only have one. And there's a lot of good things, good components in an X chromosome, right? There's a lot of like a high density of immune genes. So the immune genes will help people fight off diseases and, and, and stay well. So women are born actually with more of a fight against the COVID-19. And that's an, that's an interesting aspect. So I don't know if that plays into these statistics at all. Um, so, so no, I think men are, we're faring, we're faring the fight that we got born with, unfortunately. Wow. Wow. Does that chromosome discrepancy, if you will, is that related? And I'm not a science guy, so help me out. Is that related to T cells? And if so, I'm wondering if that T cell boost not only helps women with, with, COVID, but a variety of different issues. Like this is seasonal flu season, seasonal flu season. That's a bit of a, uh, uh, where you get it. This is flu season. Um, are they, are they stronger with regard to even the, the, the regular seasonal flu because of the same thing? Yeah. So, so T cells, I'm not an immunologist. So there's doctors and scholars that, that know your immune system and the white blood cells and red blood cells intimately, but 
from a, just a very uh, a lay person standpoint, the T cells are the, the, the immune cells in your body that fight off disease and viruses, right? So when you get sick, your body has to feel the response. So typically that looks like a fever. And, you know, when I got into healthcare, I was like, a fever is not a good thing. Well, actually, a fever is a good thing. It's your, it's your body fighting off invaders. So women do have a higher um, T cell response. So when they do, and their body is being attacked by some pathogen, so some bacteria or a virus, their T cell response is higher than men, thus having more ability to fight off uh, diseases. Wow, wow, wow. Let's talk about a little bit where we work, uh, gentlemen. Now, both of you work in a field where you're you're more susceptible to coronavirus. But is there something about generally where men work? I know we tend to have we we disproportionately have jobs that are outside, for instance. So that suggested to me that you might it might be harder to socially distance. Does where we're working and the type of work men do make us more vulnerable to coronavirus? I mean, it could be. Uh, I mean, when I think about this and I think of um, some of my friends and what they do, um, you know, they're around a lot of people. They have to be around a lot of people. Um, I mean, I, I'll drive by construction and I see just a bunch of guys out there. Um, you know, and most of the time still not wearing a mask. Um, so, I mean, it's I think that just because of what we do or so what um, the type of work men are more. Uh, likely to be in like they put up they are probably are a little bit more at risk yeah 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 um i want to touch today on um some history i, I just caught an excellent hour-long uh documentary on cnn about the uh flu pandemic formerly known as the spanish flu from 1918 and i was struck by really struck by the parallels between what uh our, our folks went through 100 years ago and what we clearly did not learn from that because city after city after city after city struggled to do we wear masks or not. There was a, a component of a population in each city that said, oh, we don't want to do that. We don't have to do that. Um, so much, so many similarities between the thing, ignoring that first wave. And once it began to kind of crest, thinking they were out of the woods and everybody rushed back out to restaurants and bars and stuff. And then that second wave came and slammed them just like we got hit. The holiday season, exactly the same thing. Communities encouraging people to stay home and not, not celebrate the holidays. And folks went out anyway and had Thanksgiving parties and Halloween parties and Christmas parties and then got sick, 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 sick coming. So let's talk about a little bit can we learn from history here? I think it's particularly important. Unfortunately, we've got some history with COVID. Now we're working up on one year with this virus. Even can we learn from 100 years ago? Can we learn from 2020 about how we're going to manage this virus moving forward? You know, there, there's been pandemics. There's always been pandemics, right? And there's always been the CDC. There's always been a response that we've had. And Ebola that's what a lot of us nurses we can refer to from recent history, right? And the, you know, the immediate response that was taken, um, not just from a global standpoint, but from a healthcare standpoint in, in the United States, we were very serious, very, uh, very proactive in the response. I believe we've been proactive here in the United States with COVID nineteen, but as much of us have have learned throughout this year, it's been a debatable topic. So I think that's the parallel from what you're talking about 1918 to now is that people are debating whether or not 
um, the virus can get them, right? Or whether or not the virus is as big of an issue as they believe it is. And in the beginning, I remember saying, you know, if you don't want to wear a mask, you you sound like the person that didn't want to start washing your hands back when people started doing that, right? If there's always, yeah. as, as people progress, as societies progress, as medicine progresses, and we we learn more, right? We know more now than we knew yesterday. So yeah. by that being itself, the science now tells us that masks are important. It sounds like they were saying masks were important back in 1918. So maybe that just gets down to the human, the human psyche of not wanting to be told what to do. And the mask yeah. does kind of feel like that, right? It feels like every time you put it on, you're, you're, the man is telling you what to do. And there's a little piece of all of us that we have to acknowledge that it feels that way, but we have to know better to do better. Wow. I love that. It, it, certainly the piece of me. I don't like being told what to do. My mother, if my mother's watching this, mom, I'm sorry. You were right. <laughs> I don't like being told what to do. But we talked about biology a little bit and, and starting to talk about behavior. So let's get into that a little bit. I'm wondering about men. You know, this is brother be well. So let's just tell it like it is. Are we prone to ignoring the symptoms of COVID-19 the way we traditionally ignore symptoms that have to do with health? We hear it all the time. I, I know I'm very guilty of it. I have to be close to death's door to wind up making a doctor's appointment. Are we seeing this with COVID? And if men sought medical care earlier, would we be faring better on the other end of that when we when we talk about mortality to this thing? I, I would say so. I think um, I, I just think of for me personally, when I was sick, I got to be almost on my deathbed to be like, OK, I'll go in. Um, the only reason why I was a little bit more. Um, apt to be a little bit more proactive on this is because, you know, I was like, I have my kids here and this, this could be affect them a lot more. And um, so I had to be a little bit more hypervigilant. Like, you know, I got to put my ego to the side and be like, okay, let me check out. Let me, you know, let me get screened out a little sooner. Um, let me not wait. Let me not just say like, this is nothing. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to, I had to check myself, but um, yeah. I just know for me, like playing sports, if, you know, if, if I don't see any blood, if I don't see a broken bone coming out my skin, I'm, it's fine. I'll just I know, right? Walk it off. Yeah, got to walk it off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that goes for everything, Mike. Like you talked on it, COVID nineteen. It's just a, it's a symptom of the bigger problem in healthcare that men have, and you know, there's a, there's I think like my experience, I've, I've felt the shame. Uh, a little bit, uh, the anxiety that we get for going in. I think we don't like to lose control. And any anyone that goes into a, a doctor's office as a patient, you lose that sense of control, right? Because someone in a white coat is going to use these big words and tell us things that we don't necessarily want to hear, that we don't mm. want to agree with. And mm. all that does play a toll. So instead of going through that turmoil and that mental, that mental uh, juggle, we just kind of shun it and don't want to do it at all. Yeah. Do you think, Carter, are you telling me that you go through that same thing as I go through? Oh, without a doubt. That white coat. Seriously? I without a call, doubt. Y'all, y'all are nurses. You, I, I have almost an anxiety attack when I have a new doctor. Once I find a doctor, I like, I stick with that doctor forever. And just a few years ago, my doctor moved on and I had to walk back into this new man walked in. I was like, oh, no, this is not going to work. My blood pressure was through the roof. And I had to tell him, give me a few minutes to calm down, dude. This is a whole new relationship we're starting right now. Yeah. But I assume that you guys wouldn't be dealing with that because you're in the nursing profession. That makes me feel better that you go through it too. Mm -hmm. 
I would be the I, I, I fortunately I haven't been admitted to a hospital, I haven't had anything too serious, but I I know I would be the worst patient because I would wow. the walls. It's like I know too much. I know I know I've seen behind the curtain. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought about that. Wow, wow. Well, maybe I shouldn't. I'm, I'm looking forward to after this is done, after this virus is behind us, Carter. I've been looking forward to having a beer with you guys. Maybe I don't want to know what's behind that curtain. Maybe I'm better off not knowing <laughs> what is behind that curtain. <laughs> I'm gonna rethink this. <laughs> let's talk about you know we're, we're we're you know a little levity here but but we're talking about taking the virus seriously so i want to get back to that in mental health interventions influence positive behaviors we know that how can we do the same thing how can we encourage greater self-awareness about this stuff uh and create pathways to potentially saving lives yeah that, that's a good question michael and and i like that looking towards solutions um because shoot we're coming up on a year right? The anniversary yeah, yeah, is yeah. we're close. So I think this time last year, we started in that fear stage. Rightfully so, all of us didn't know what was going on. And there was a lot of information coming at us. And then we kind of get to that disbelief phase. But now I feel like um, the, the path forward is by sharing knowledge and sharing spaces with people. That's the only way that we're going to be able to get through this. And not physically sharing spaces with people, but conversations like these to destigmatize what it looks like to to have COVID, uh, destigmatize what it looks like to be wearing a mask, to be being vigilant, to be being respectful of your community, of yourself. Um, And I think it's becoming more normalized, right? Uh, The person who hand sanitizes before at the cashier, they might get a certain type of look, but now that's not a problem. And I remember the first time I went to the grocery store, wearing a mask i felt i felt crunchy myself that i was out of place and then a week later i felt like the people not wearing a mask were the ones out of place so i think it's that natural progression uh but with social media campaigns uh campaigns like this with brother be well are great platforms to kind of push that narrative well yeah well we're working hard to try to be that carter i appreciate you saying that And that wraps up another episode of Brother Be Well. Get ready for text and email alerts on more great things happening later this month. I'm Leon Guidry. Check us out next time for more mental health and wellness inspiration. Until then, stay up, family.